a Singular Discoveries podcast. One Thursday morning in late June 1899, an 11-year-old boy named William Andrews was playing on the beach at Ilfracombe in Devon, England. There, he spotted a small tin floating in the water. The quarter-pound tin was labelled coffee and chicory and was tied up with a piece of cork for buoyancy. Inside the tin was a note written in pencil on a page torn from a pocket diary. The note was signed by Abel Seaman R. Neal and addressed to Mrs. Abigail Neal in Cardiff, Wales. To my wife and children, the Stella is going down as I pen my last words. If I do not survive, go to my brother. Goodbye, my loved ones. Goodbye. This was just one of hundreds of messages in bottles, boxes and tins washed up from the sea onto British and other shores in 1899, and one of thousands found during the busy Victorian and Edwardian steam and sail seafaring eras. These messages from the sea told tales of foundering ships, missing ocean liners and shipwrecked sailors, and contained moving farewells, romantic declarations and intriguing confessions. Some solved mysteries of lost vessels and crews, while others created new mysteries yet to be solved. From Singular Discoveries, this is Messages from the Sea. The message found by William Andrews was passed to his local newspaper. It was published in the next day's edition and in scores of other newspapers across Britain over the next few days. Messages in bottles were popular news items. Major newspapers such as the Times of London and the New York Times often printed these messages, as did hundreds of national and regional newspapers across the world. Some published them in regular columns, often headlined, Messages from the Sea. This is the Sheffield Evening Telegraph commenting in 1893. Of all the tales of the sea, none are more pathetic than those which every now and again are related in curt language in the news columns of the daily press of the finding of messages written by those who, far away at sea, the victims of some disaster, recognise the hopelessness of their position and see on the horizon the dawn of eternity. The full meaning of Abel Seaman Neal's message became apparent shortly after it was published. The Stella was a British passenger ferry that sailed between Southampton and the Channel Islands. It was wrecked in fog on the Caskets, north of Guernsey, in March 1899, with the loss of around 105 lives. There was no official passenger list, and it was unknown whether an R. Neal was on board. Inquiries made at the given address in Cardiff found that a man named Neal had formerly lived there but was, quote, supposed to have gone to Bradford, where nothing else was known of him. Mrs. Abigail Neal could not be traced. The earliest message in a bottle is thought to have been sent by Greek philosopher Theophrastus around 310 BC. Theophrastus developed a theory that the Mediterranean was formed by an inflow of water from the Atlantic. In order to test his theory, he dropped several notes sealed in bottles into the sea and waited to see where they ended up. If he ever received a response to his notes, it does not seem to have been recorded. However, messages in bottles would become commonly used by government departments and research societies to study ocean currents, particularly during the 1800s and early 1900s. 
On November 30, 1906, George Bidder of the Marine Biological Association in Plymouth released several bottles containing numbered postcards into the North Sea. On April 17, 2015, 108 years and 138 days later, one of the bottles, number 57, was found by Marianne Winkler at Amram Island, Germany. Guinness World Records recorded it as the oldest, or technically the longest adrift, message in a bottle ever found. Messages such as those sent by Theophrastus and George Bidder served a scientific purpose, but others, such as the message from R. Neil, were of a much more personal, and perhaps more vital, nature. For many seafarers, the message in a bottle was a legitimate and valuable method of communication, and perhaps their only means of contacting the outside world. Until the arrival of the wireless telegraph at the beginning of the 20th century, a ship that passed over the horizon and out of sight of land would lose communication with its home port for days, weeks or months at a time. Perhaps another vessel might spy the ship on the ocean and return with news of its location. Or a letter might be carried from a far-off destination to advise of the ship's safe arrival. But not all ships would arrive safely. Seafaring was incredibly dangerous. Hundreds of vessels were lost at sea each year, perhaps overcome by waves, dashed on rocks or engulfed in flames. A single storm could sink scores of vessels or wipe out entire fleets. Those that didn't sink could be blown off course, become lost and run out of food and water. Their crews might be left drifting in disabled ships, floating in lifeboats or clinging to pieces of wreckage. In such desperate situations, thoughts would inevitably be of family and loved ones at home, perhaps hundreds or thousands of miles away. A brief message, written swiftly in the most hopeless circumstances, might include a desperate plea for help, but would more likely comprise a tragic goodbye. Often, after disasters at sea, messages in bottles were considered to be what Chambers Journal in 1880 called the means of communication between the living and the dead. In July 1861, a message in a bottle was found off the coast of Eust in the Scottish Outer Hebrides. The message was signed by William Graham. On board the Pacific, from Liverpool to New York, ship going down, great confusion on board, icebergs around on every side. I know I cannot escape. I write the cause of our loss, that friends may not live in suspense. The finder of this will please get it published. The Collins Line steamer Pacific had left Liverpool for New York in January 1856 and was lost with all 141 crew and 45 passengers. It was thought to have sunk off Newfoundland, but William Graham's message, received more than five years later, was the only real clue to its fate. Graham was a British sea captain travelling on the Pacific as a passenger. This is the Shipping and Mercantile Gazette. The writer was evidently some person accustomed to the perils of the sea for it is difficult to understand how any person whose nerves had not been hardened by the presence of frequent and appalling dangers could have written with such manifest coolness in the immediate presence of death. Many of the messages washed ashore at this time represented the last words of stricken seamen who would never set foot on land again, and often shared a relatively formal and straightforward tone. They would not be picked up by the intended final recipient and might be published in newspapers so the senders would restrain their emotions. But not all were tragic tales. Some senders survived and returned home, often long before their messages were washed ashore. In 1900, 
a message in a bottle was found that had been cast adrift in the previous year by British able seaman Edward Farden from the ship Samoina during a voyage from Portland, Oregon. After being damaged in a heavy storm, the ship had drifted for several months and had run out of provisions. The crew, Farden wrote, were living on a cargo of wheat and, quote, do not expect to ever reach port. Farden provided an address for his family in Litham, England, but when the found message eventually arrived there, it was received by Farden himself. Several weeks after being given up as lost, the Samoana had arrived home safely with all hands. Farden was, quote, one amongst the few men who have been privileged to read after many days his last message. Messages relating to ships were often passed to Lloyd's, the organisation responsible for maintaining shipping records for underwriters, merchants and other interested parties. Lloyd's had agents based in most major ports and these agents would investigate messages from the sea to update their register. Lloyd's register is a list of seagoing merchant ships of 100 gross tonnes or greater. Published annually since 1764, the register lists vessels until they are wrecked, sunk or scrapped. Some of the vessels named in found messages could be confirmed as lost by Lloyd's. However, many other vessels were not listed in the register because they did not meet the volume requirement, the vast majority of fishing vessels, for example. In those cases, their loss might go entirely unnoticed beyond their home port and the friends and families of their crews. For these friends and families, messages from the sea could provide some closure. They often brought terrible, heartbreaking news, but after weeks or months of uncertainty and the inevitable realisation that their loved ones would not be coming home, it was surely better to know what had happened and perhaps to receive a loving message from their lost souls. In some cases, messages from the sea solved the mysteries of vessels that had been missing without trace for several years, occasionally with hundreds of passengers on board. We know what happened to the Titanic, but what happened to an earlier White Star liner, the Neronic? The Neronic left Liverpool for New York on February 11th, 1893. On board were 50 crew, 14 cattlemen, 10 horsemen and a cargo of livestock. The ship called at Point Linus Anglesey and was never seen again. In March, a passing steamer spotted two of the Neronic's empty lifeboats in an area with large quantities of ice, close to where the Titanic would later be sunk. Then, in July 1896, a message in a bottle was found on the shore near Hoylake, England, which seemed to confirm the ship's fate. Struck iceberg, sinking fast in cold ocean, Neronic. At least four other messages in bottles relating to the Neronic were found, but none could be proved to be genuine. The ultimate fate of the vessel remains a mystery. And then there was the city of Boston, a Glasgow-built passenger steamship that sailed from Halifax, Nova Scotia for Liverpool on January 28, 1870, with 107 passengers and 84 crew. It never reached its destination and was never seen again. A violent storm might have been responsible, although the ship's loss was also linked with the Scottish-born criminal Alexander Keith Jr., the dynamite fiend, who conspired to blow up passenger ships with time bombs in order to collect insurance money. More than a year after the disappearance, in May 1871, a message in a bottle was picked up on the shore at Shediac, New Brunswick, Canada. March 21st, 1870. City of Boston. Ship sinking. 
Over half full now. Goodbye all. Look after my boy. Be gone in two hours. Thompson. There were two Thompsons on board the city of Boston. A cabin passenger named John from Halifax and a steerage passenger named William from New York. Not all found messages in bottles printed in newspapers concerned ships or boats. Other messages contained confessions, suicide notes or pleas for help. They concerned murders, kidnappings, body snatchings and family secrets and raised questions that could not always be answered. For example, this extraordinary message was found floating off the white cliffs of Dover, England, in October 1896. I, Charles Pilcher, murdered Margaret Hutchinson on November 23, 1870, afterwards putting the body in a well at Norwood, which, I believe, has never been found yet, and of late I can't sleep. I can always see her waiting for me at her pantry. That was our meeting place. Tonight, I have made up my mind to end my miserable existence by jumping overboard. My body will be good food for the fishes. I am not fit for anything else. So goodbye to everybody. I have no friends to weep for me. I am forsaken by all. Inquiries at the police station in Norwood, south-east London, some 26 years after the alleged murder, found no recollection of a Margaret Hutchinson being reported missing, nor of a body being discovered in the district. However, it was reported in a local newspaper that Norwood had entirely changed in character over the previous quarter of a century. Thousands of new houses have been erected, new roads made and wells built over. Most wells have entirely disappeared since that time. Charles Pilcher's message was found in a sealed box rather than a bottle. Other messages were found scratched onto pieces of wood, or, in one case, etched onto a metal band that was wrapped around the neck of a recently deceased albatross. That message was translated from French. Thirteen shipwrecked refugees are on the Crozet Islands, 4th August, 1887. The Crozet Islands are located in the southern Indian Ocean, three and a half thousand miles from Fremantle, Western Australia, where a boy walking on a beach found the albatross carrying this message. Australian authorities sent a search vessel to the Crozets, but found no trace of shipwrecked sailors, and the message became regarded as a hoax. However, in January 1888, a French search vessel found a further letter on the nearby uninhabited Pig Island. The letter stated that 13 shipwrecked men from the ship Tamaris, having exhausted their provisions, had left the small island on the 13th of September to head to the larger Possession Island. No trace was found on Possession or any other Crozet Island. This is the Pall Mall Gazette. Whether they were drowned in their effort at escape remains as yet unknown. But this much seems too unfortunately certain, that the life of the noble bird was sacrificed in vain. Another remarkable message was found in a corked soda water bottle inside the stomach of an 11-foot shark. The message contained a poem about a baby boy born on a long voyage from England to New Zealand. On board the beautiful star, Sunday, September 1st, 1872. We have crossed the line and all's well. Last night, the captain's lady had a pretty little boy. Heaven bless the little stranger, rocked on the cradle of the deep. Save it, Lord, from every danger. The angels bright their watch will keep. The shark was one of three caught within a few weeks by Scottish fishermen. The shark's carcass was opened before a large crowd, revealing parts of cod, dogfish and seal, a man's bonnet 
and the soda bottle containing the note. The bottle was smashed open, and the note was read aloud to the spectators, who took pieces of the broken bottle as souvenirs. The note written in a lady's neat hand was signed by a passenger named Annette Gordon. Inquiries found the beautiful star in Littleton, New Zealand, where the captain confirmed he had his wife on board, and she had been, quote, confined as stated. Not all found messages were genuine. Hoaxes were common, with pranksters keen to see their missives published in the press. Newspapers would generally seek to verify the messages, making inquiries with Lloyds and at the vessel's home ports, and sometimes seeking to have family members try to identify the sender's handwriting. However, this was not always possible, and to refuse to publish an unverified message might be to deny the last wishes of a lost soul. This is the London Standard from 1897. A bogus message from the sea almost invariably gives the name of a ship actually lost in order to impart an air of verisimilitude to the story, and is calculated, therefore, to awaken sad memories, especially in the minds of widowed women. This, of course, is not to be regarded as an argument against the practice of throwing bottles into the sea to give word to the world, and all whom it may particularly concern, of the loss of a given ship. Genuine messages fulfil a good purpose, but it is beyond question that the bogus messages greatly outnumber the genuine. It is a pity the authorities cannot deal with the people who originate hoaxes of this kind. The arrival of the wireless telegraph in the early 1900s, followed by the rollout of ship-to-shore radio, gradually provided vessels with a lifeline of communication from the lonely isolation of the sea. The Titanic was fitted with a Marconi wireless telegraph system and on the morning of April 15, 1912, transmitted the Marconi CDQ Morse code distress signal. We covered this story in the first episode of Singular Discoveries. But some Titanic passengers did throw messages into the sea. This one was found in July 1912 off Block Island, Rhode Island, in a bottle, on a wireless blank bearing the Titanic imprint. April 16th, mid-ocean, help, on a raft, Titanic sinking, no water or food, major butt. The sailors who found this message initially regarded it as a ghastly joke, but the fact that it was written on RMS Titanic stationery made them believe it was authentic. Archibald Butt was a well-known US Army officer and a military aide to US President William Taft. He had boarded the White Star Liner in Southampton and was returning home after six weeks in Europe. There are various accounts describing Butt's bravery in organising the lifeboats as the ship went down. His body was never recovered. The date on his message suggests he had been adrift on a raft for more than a day. In October 1912, a bottle was found in a fjord on the west coast of Iceland containing this message. I am one of them that were wrecked on the Titanic. Harry Wilson. A third message purporting to be from the Titanic was allegedly found in the summer of 1913 at Dunkettle near Cork in Ireland. From Titanic, goodbye all, Burke of Glanmire. 19-year-old Jeremiah Burke died on the Titanic, along with his cousin Nora. His mother had given him a small bottle of holy water to take with him. The message washed up in that bottle just a mile from his home village of Glanmire. It was speculated that Jeremiah could have thrown the bottle overboard while still in the Irish Sea, intending it to be a simple farewell to Ireland, with no knowledge of the disaster to come. 
messages from the sea remain newsworthy. If a message in a bottle sent from one side of the Atlantic is found on the other, it will generally make local newspapers and television bulletins. Such modern messages retain a fascinating romantic allure, although their contents are often trivial and will rarely be concerned with any great drama. But a century ago, they represented potential lifelines for those involved and were concerned with some of the biggest dramas imaginable, albeit distilled down to just a few poignant words. The brevity of the messages convey their urgency and add to their mystery. Each represents a fascinating story of personal drama. This final message was found on the shore near Ulverston, England, in January 1907, in a stout bottle written on a piece of envelope. Finder, please give this to relatives of Bertha Magnusson, Wavertree, Liverpool, England. Love from Hubert, and goodbye. episode of Singular Discoveries, another true story from the forgotten corners of history. To receive new episodes for free, just follow Singular Discoveries on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to binge listen the entire season ad-free right now, just go to singulardiscoveries.com. Messages from the Sea was written and produced by Paul Brown, based on his book of the same name. You can find more of his writing at stuffbypaulbrown.com. The music in this episode is All Is Well, from the Messages from the Sea song cycle composed by Clive Whitburn. For more information, go to clivewhitburn.com. You can hear more about the Titanic rescue in episode one of this podcast series. And you can read more about the stellar disaster at singulardiscoveries.com. SingularDiscoveries.com 